It takes more than spending three hours to understand your SaaS vendor's pricing model, only to conclude that it is unknowable and you have wasted your time. This, oh, sorry, to be a great engineer. <laughs> this. <laughs> Just in life. <laughs> this is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 350. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers and occasionally those who want to understand how much things cost and conclude that you cannot. Imagine if like gas worked that way. Like mm-hmm. there's not a price. You have like tiered usage-based billing that also depends on your enterprise contract you have negotiated with 7-Eleven. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> yeah. You get a certain amount of refund credits yes. if you spend up to X dollars and... As soon as you see the word credit, you know you are never going to understand your actual costs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it Usage-based billing sounds so simple. Like, yeah. oh, you use a thing, and just, then you pay for just it. Just pay for yeah. what you use. Yeah. And then spend the next six months <laughs> trying to figure out what you paid for. <laughs> yeah. And if you used it, actually. What does use mean here? Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm going to have to do a commit to a certain amount of spending two years in advance. Yeah. Pay for what you use and you will use this. Yeah, much. no, for me it's more like pay for what you use and a $300,000 a year contract that I negotiate with you. <laughs> yeah. Whichever is greater. Pay for your audacity <laughs> yes. of wanting to use our product. <laughs> pay for it. Pay for my <laughs> enterprise sales reps time. That's what I'm yeah. paying for to use. Yeah. I guess they didn't say what the usage was. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's time on the phone with the sales rep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that's not what this show's no. about, though. <laughs> Do you want to thank Should our I patrons? Thank our... So, so much I want to. Thank you to Systematic Guy, Anthony Ungaro, Kyle Boss, Connie Lee, Santa Hopar, Noah Fraser Logue, Kent C. Dodds, Jenny Kim, Owen Shardo, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, The Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Ganandan Hooten, Ohio, Patreon.com.au, We're Hiring, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, TestingIsDocumenting.org, Oladapo Fadye, Will Angel pronounced like that town in Ohio slash Scotland with an unpronounceable name. Ernga, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Bartek, Tatkowski, Cody Sell, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. Thank you. Thank you so much to this crew, this group of people slash places slash companies or domain names, at least. If you would like to support the podcast, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon, where any dollar amount will get you invited to our Slack team. And the joy of interacting with a group of other people who have contributed any dollar amount, which is a pretty good filter for for good folk, I have to say. And if you contribute up to a certain level, then you will get a one-time or weekly shout-out. Thank you. Yes. We appreciate it. It is above a certain level, Jameson. And uh, yeah. we're switching yeah, to a greater credit. than we're switching, or equal. <laughs> we're switching yeah, to a credit system. system. <laughs> <laughs> It's usage based, so it depends on right. the amount of characters <laughs> in the message. Yes. But yeah, there's oh a my commit, goodness. a minimum commit, minimum spend. It's and... forty seven hundred characters or sorry, forty seven hundred credits per character. There's a special yeah. rate for emojis, and if you go above the free tier, there's a new rate. And also for really high volume characters, there's a different rate. Uh, it's all very simple. I'm getting a like free to play mobile game vibe from this. Yes. Is there some way to get gems? Yeah, definitely there's going to be gems. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to our store and exchange your credits for gems or coins. Yeah. <laughs> we promise not to email you and say, "Hey, I've noticed you can optimize stuff." Where optimize means you pay us a lot more money. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> go more, go faster. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We'll, lead, we'll enunciate more clearly, I guess. I don't know. Somehow it'll be <laughs> yeah, good for yeah, you. Yeah, don't worry. Also, you'll pay us a lot more money. Right. <laughs> Definitely the last oh. thing. Definitely the last thing. <laughs> some, some cynicism oh. coming out. Okay. Let's Whew. get to the questions. All right. <laughs> this comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, have you ever been through a technical interview and bombed a question? I did, and it feels awful. <laughs> especially when the question was easy but i couldn't focus due to time pressure and stress do you have any tips for dealing with interview anxiety and get rid of this bitter feeling if the interview goes bad thanks (laughs) oh my goodness so relatable i have i think i have one question i bombed the most stuck in my mind and it was a brain teaser puzzle that i've talked about on this podcast before Mm -hmm. because it's stuck in my mind Okay. And my tip for dealing with it and getting rid of the bitter feeling is transfer all of my upset feelings about not doing well on this question in front of other people to anger at the company oh, for, how, for, for daring to ask me a question I would do poorly on. I didn't do bad on it. They showed poor judgment in asking yes. such a stupid question where stupid means I don't know how to answer it. I'm not smart enough to answer it. I I do have, I think, legitimate objections to how that is a good filter for is someone going to be a good software developer or not. But it's hard for me to objectively step back and separate those legitimate objections from the grumpiness at just struggling for half an hour on a whiteboard in front of people. In front of people who are just sitting there with their arms arms folded, sighing. Yeah. and, (laughs) And they keep asking what seem to be very pointed questions about like, well, what if you considered this thing? And I'm like, I, I, <laughs> then I would be stuck. Then I would not knowing how I would to remain stuck <laughs> if I considered that. <laughs> yeah, so that's worked pretty well for me. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. I actually, I don't think I've gone through a like technical gauntlet interview process like what you'd find at one of the mega tech companies of of. Like you really have to study hard, mm-hmm. and and there, there this this genre of tough technical questions. I don't think I've gone through that, and I imagine I would fail pretty hard on some I have. of those. So, and that's when I bombed. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I wrote a whole blog post about this experience seven years ago, and I never posted it. It just it's still. I actually I'm just pulling it up and looking at it right now. It's sitting in my drafts. Ah, I see you. You use the transfer all of your failure to anger at the company to fuel a blog post <laughs> a blog post which has remained unpublished why un- why not publish it i don't know well so i probably should at this point it's probably okay <laughs> to publish it yeah so this was at one of the big tech co's and i uh i basically described my interview experience through all the sessions there were let's see six sessions including a lunch it was an all-day event it was in seattle if that gives any clues as to where. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Anyway, it was rough. So I remember I got up to the whiteboard. This is one of those questions where you write your code with a marker in your hand, as we do as mm-hmm. practitioners. That's mm-hmm. totally normal. The question was fairly simply stated. I actually made a, even though I absolutely bombed the question and didn't end up getting the right answer, A, I still got the job. And B, <laughs> I, I decided in that moment, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to answer this question. <laughs> This is kind of my recovery mode when I can't answer a technical question. That's it's, And it's not like a knowledge question, you know, it's more like a solve a problem question. Mm. My fallback is explore. If you can't answer the question with a solution, 
fully explore the problem instead. And so I did. I actually got up on the whiteboard and started writing unit tests. <laughs> so I wrote out like six unit tests and I kind of, I then checked with the interviewer, you know, like, hey, does this adequately express the problem space that we're trying to solve? And the interviewer was kind of like, yes. And that was pretty much the only word he said to me the whole session. Like he just was completely. And then you ran out of time. You're like, oops, <laughs> guess I can't reveal my solution. Oh, I had so many good ideas. <laughs> but it would pass these tests. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started writing the code and I realized, oh man, I'm in trouble. Like I just, I could not provide an answer. And so I kind of got a portion of it implemented on the whiteboard and then failed and then failed and then failed. And then we ran out of time. Hmm. And I can only attribute the fact that I got a job offer to the fact that I put in a lot of work to fully understand the scope of the problem and just hmm. demonstrate that I can really work through a, a problem space, you know, enough that the interviewer is willing to give me a, a green check mark. So it was rough, though. Yeah, I actually I, I do remember a technical question that I bombed on, and I think I felt a kind of similar vibe to that puzzler brain teaser question, but much mm -hmm. less strong because the question was much more focused on writing code to solve a problem. As opposed to an aha moment. As opposed to like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it, it was literally like a riddle. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember that question? I do. I think if I look it up, it's the bridge and torch problem. Oh, yes. So I, I guess it's not, it's not a riddle. It's not a brain teaser. And you can translate this into like technical... I don't know, oh, requirements. That, but that is totally a brain sure teaser. Sure, I did not. In my opinion. I sure, yeah, I didn't do it. <laughs> and I would probably do poorly on other problems of this nature. Like the, the people getting across the river in a boat or... Yep. I don't know. There's, yeah. I just, I don't... Yeah, I hate well those questions. <laughs> You're right to feel bitter. <laughs> Some people like them. And I could see how there's potential overlap from being amazing at these questions yeah. and amazing at like defining and solving hard, complex technical problems. But maybe boys, they're not, it's not obvious. There's a lot of ways to be good at <laughs> software that aren't solving the bridge and problems. vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. And maybe, yeah. maybe more importantly, you could be really good at solving the bridge and torch problem. <laughs> like, wow, I've never seen such an amazing explanation to that problem that only has one answer. <laughs> Yeah, that I'm, I'm actually, I guess what people are testing for when they give that question in an interview is, have you Googled this brain teaser in the past? I mean, there are some questions like that. I think, I think somebody could figure this out, but that was not me in this interview. Yeah, I don't do well with those either myself. I, I, I did have an interview that had a, like a graph traversal problem. And that was a more technical question with a more like, I don't know, you traverse graphs sometimes in, in software. And I failed at, I think it was like a graph coloring yeah. problem, if I'm trying to remember Oh, was the it the specifics. bipartite problem? Probably. And I think I know the name of the person who gave you that. And I think it was at a company I, think I was you probably, working at. Yeah, I think yeah. I interviewed at a company that Dave worked at and did not get an offer. That's right. And my boss loves that. He loves that question. Bipartite. It happens to be applicable to graph coloring or to map coloring. Map coloring, that's right. I think. But yeah, bipartite, it's separating a graph into nodes that are connected directly versus every... I can't remember. It's like a... It, it's an okay problem. Yeah. That one felt less unfair. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't care about this, and I think right. you're dumb for caring about it. Like, I could see how it wasn't quite that, it, but bad. I did not do well. <laughs> yeah. I did not solve it yeah. correctly in my memory. Did not get a job offer. Well, that was because I worked there. 
And they asked for my input. <laughs> you blocked my <laughs> a- application. I think this was before the podcast, so before we made a truce over this. <laughs> before we agreed we would, we would not block each other's applications anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But I think that one felt less unfair and more like, I don't know, maybe I should go learn some of this stuff. And oh, then right, I didn't. Right, right. And then I, uh, well, not learn. I don't know. I, I, I took CS classes. I did graph things, but I, I did not reproduce them correctly on the whiteboard. And then I just interviewed at more places and like passed other interviews. And that probably helped my confidence more yep. than if I had gone back and rigorously solved the problem that I got stuck on. Although that could help too. It's just not going to do any, I don't know. You're not going to be able to go back to the interview and say, Guess hey, what? remember when you when I <laughs> failed? I'm ready to pass it now if you ask me the same question. Hey, remember nine years ago when you gave me this interview question? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the more you interview and the more successes that you can accumulate in your success bin, the the less bad you will feel about the ones you failed. Understanding that failure at interview is just kind of a natural part of doing the interview. And the more failures you can rack up and the more successes you can, well, hopefully you can rack up more successes than failures. That will help. Yeah. But if you can just get even a few great successes, I think it'll go really a long way to not feeling so bad about the ones you bombed. Yeah. I think passing an interview is a lot to do with the combination of the kinds of things that people are evaluating in the interview and the kinds of things that you present in an interview. Yeah. And... and Ideally, passing an interview would mean that you can do the job well, but in practice, it doesn't mean that. It means like you you look good on the stuff they ask you in the interview, yep. which is not often what the job involves. And maybe that's the other technique is telling yourself and believing that your own self-worth and value as a human being and even professional skill as a software engineer is not really gauged by the outcomes of these interviews. It is a non-deterministic test about your skill that doesn't hold yeah. a ton of water. And if you can convince yourself of that, and I believe that, then I think you will have less, you will feel less bad. I think another thing that would help me, I haven't done this, but now I want to, is is just go pick the, the developers you respect the most and ask them to tell you about a time they bombed an interview. <laughs> yeah. And guaranteed all of them will have one. Like yeah. the, the, the finest developers in the world, mm-hmm. however you define that, have all just bombed technical yep. interviews. Oh, yeah. And and it's, I don't know, it's kind of a universal thing. It absolutely is. And I mean, you and I both have stories and we're good developers, I'm not right? the finest developer in the Are world. We? I'll admit it. <laughs> I'm, it's it's out there. You deserved, you deserved finally to, fail, coming clean. to fail those interviews. <laughs> <laughs> some, some of them I certainly did. <laughs> uh, me too. I, got, I have a couple more ideas. Yeah. One is try to get an opportunity to be on the other side of the interview table. And you'll mm. start to calibrate what good interviewing looks like. And you might find that you're not that bad. You know, you'll see a lot of people. <laughs> you don't know what bad looks like. Yeah, you Is that what you mean? You haven't seen the full extrema <laughs> of good yeah. and bad. Uh, you've only seen mm. your own performance in an interview, but get on the other side of it. And it'll also give you some empathy because you'll see so many people struggling in the hot seat that you'll start to feel better about your own performance there, I think. Yeah, I like that. Tips for dealing with interview anxiety. I I honestly don't have a strategy beyond, if you can, getting more interviews so that failure in an individual interview, while painful, is less of a blow to your job prospects. If you have have one interview lined up... And it's your only chance. 
Yeah, then, I mean, you're going to be, uh, you will likely be anxious no matter what the situation right. is going into an interview. But if it's like, I have to pass this or I do not have a job, then the, the, those stakes are pretty high. Yeah, and there's nothing you could do to not feel nervous about that. Yeah, yeah, most people would feel nervous. And, and uh, I don't know, other tips. Yeah, if you do a lot of them, you also, you get better at interviewing you just there's a there's a skill you don't practice a lot in the real day-to-day of talking about the kind of work that you do Mm -hmm. instead of doing the kind of work you do that's right talking about the work instead of doing the work that's a good point i have a that's exactly what i was going to suggest next i have a good friend who he identified in himself a weakness for certain types of interview questions and he knew that Mm. i had been on the other side of the table on hundreds of interviews over the recent years uh, for that specific type of of question. So he actually asked me if I would interview him in a mock interview. And, uh, and I did, we did, we, we spent one hour in a room together and I gave him a marker and a whiteboard and, and I just threw one of my interview questions that I've given to a whole bunch of candidates and, uh, we worked through it and it was great. And then afterwards, this is the great part about practicing with a friend afterwards, we could talk about what he did. Whereas in a, in a real interview context, they will very rarely give you that kind of detail. And so I was making notes while we interviewed and I, I had a whole bunch of, you know, because I've seen a bunch of people work this problem before, I had a whole bunch of ideas for him from things I had mm. seen other people do. And it was great. And so I'm like, you know, it's way less pressure when you're doing a mock interview with your friend. And if you can accustom, get, get accustomed to the pressure, or let me put it another way, generate synthetic pressure the same way you generate synthetic load for your software mm. when the stakes are low. Yeah. Maybe put together a... a interview practice group at work of all the disaffected engineers that want to go get other jobs. (laughs) Hey, we're practicing interviewing. Your manager asks, why? We're practicing working at the next place we're (laughs) going to work. What are you doing? (laughs) Don't worry about it. Have we answered the question? (laughs) I think so. Great. Good luck. You're not alone. And there are ways to lessen the anxiety, but not eliminate it. Yes. Should I read our next question? Go for it. This is from a listener named Dustin who asks, do tech companies or recruiters dig into individual backgrounds during the hiring process? Also, is there a bias towards part-time students versus full-time? To keep it short, I'm 28, and from 18 to 22, I was homeless and involved with specific substances. Ultimately, I got out on my feet around the age of 23, and now I'm currently attending university part-time while working full-time. I have noticed a bias from full-time students against part-time students. And I wonder if this happens as well in regards to employers. Oh, great question. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a couple questions here. One is about kind of background in general. Another one is yeah. about... Biases. What kind of student you are, I guess, or, or, what, or what, were. what kind is the wrong way to put it. How how you attended school? I don't know. Are you a part-time or full-time student? The number of hours, right. Is, shorter way. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's the easy one. I think let's let's tackle that one first. It, well, it seems easy to me. We'll see in a minute here. But once you get out of university and employers bring you on, whether you were a part-time or full-time student, in my experience, has never come up. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter in the least. In fact, virtually nothing I achieved, nothing I worked so hard for <laughs> in my university days has had any airtime at all. In my professional life, once I got my first job, but until I got yeah. my first job, it was like everything, you know. Yeah. Although even even in that process, I don't think the interviewers cared if I was part time or full time. Yeah, I think the fact that you are working full time already—I'm assuming this is working as a software developer. But if that's the case, then I would say that probably carries a lot more weight than whether you are a full time or part time student. In fact, 
if you were working full-time and a full-time student, I think it would be harder to get a job. I would be wary of hiring a, a software developer who was attending school full-time just because that's a lot of time commitment and it, it'd be hard to do both of those things at the same time. Do you think there's any any bias one way or another on the hiring front when you're getting ready to graduate? I don't think so. I think Again, I think the fact that you have full-time professional experience way, way outweighs... Well said. Frankly, probably even if you whether you went to school or not for it, yeah. but also what type of attendance you had. Yeah, I agree with that. I haven't seen that. It sucks that the students are being snooty about it, though. It does. That's, That's kind of silly. I wonder. But also, there could be some ageism going on here. So. Instead, of, like it might not be part time, full time, fully. It could also be you're 28. That's so old. <laughs> I remember there was a 26 or 20 like mid later 20s student who had worked for a while and then had gone back was going back to school to school yeah. to get a cs degree mm-hmm. and they were cool we, we liked them but but it, they did stick out a little bit as yeah. someone different how do you do fellow young people <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were very efficient at getting through school yeah and that... you could tell they were there to get the stuff done yeah, i'm not here to goof off yeah yeah. I was like, well, I am. I'm here to goof <laughs> yeah, off a little what bit. Else? Well, I don't understand what else there is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we talk about background checks? That was another question here. Do, yeah. Do recruiters or companies dig into your individual backgrounds during the hiring process? What do you think, Jameson? Have you seen this? I have gone through background checks. I'm trying to remember if I... I remember very clearly the background check at the Megatechco because the UI was... Or mega company I worked for. The, the UI start it was really painful i feel like maybe i said something like sure you can check my background for some of the other jobs i've worked but i don't remember it at all so i actually don't remember directly from experience how how much my background has been checked yeah i think we do background checks in my current employer i'll, I'll, I'll bet you I, so do. i think i did one i'll bet you do yeah. in, in fact it's so common that most applicant tracking systems the, that's the software they use to track rec- hiring and stuff most of them have this feature built in where you can just click a button and boom you get an automatic background check and it'll do like a mm-hmm. criminal records check and things like that so that's pretty common in my experience mm-hmm. just as a built-in part of the process so that that will that will probably come up depending on if you have a criminal record that will probably be something you have to answer i haven't seen any candidates fail them so i don't know what happens or, or i don't know fail i fail is the wrong word have be flagged for yeah exactly so i i probably hired 30 or 40 people over the last couple of years and i think probably 60 70 percent of them just came through and it just puts a green mark by their name and it's like there's nothing to see here and then the other third it will say things like there are there are things in here you might want to look at and you can click into it and it'll say stuff and then you got to make a judgment call so it, it will probably come up. This will probably be something you need to prepare for. Like if I had, I mean, let, let's talk about what some of these substances might be. I mean, obviously we're talking about diet soft drinks, I think. Yes, the famed <laughs> diet 7-up addiction. <laughs> I mean, that's probably, you know, you're going to need a story to talk about that. You know, some kind of narrative to, to put your the mind at ease of your recruiter or hiring manager that whatever it was was in, in your past and that you are no longer involved in that and have no intention of ever becoming involved in it again you know whether true or not just kidding um it, <laughs> <laughs> you say as you stroke the case of diet seven up yes. <laughs> under your desk <laughs> nothing soft about this drink <laughs> nothing soft about soft drinks 
<laughs> oh man. But yeah, you'll need to prepare. And I would probably role play that to be ready for the question. Like, hey, it says here you had a criminal case or whatever, you know, conviction of this or that. Be ready yeah. to talk about it. And you might want to practice it with a friend. Would you bring it up ahead of time or just let it I, I would up? not. Because there's a chance you roll the dice and it doesn't actually come up. Right? And and yeah. I would bank on that chance. <laughs> don't don't force it to come up, you know, the right number on the dice. Yeah. Bank on it not coming up because it might not. I, I am, I'm yeah. unfortunate because I have the opposite problem. My name is David Smith. So anytime anyone runs my background, they get like 400 criminal records hits <laughs> for people who aren't me. And so my story is always, it wasn't me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> must have been some other Dave Smith. And they're like, okay. No, actually, sometimes that turns into a pain. I'm like, look, I've had to go back. I've had to go the rounds a couple times. Like I remember once signing a like lease agreement it, that it wasn't you. Yeah, it took a while. Anyway, yeah, that must be famed serial tulip ripper upper Dave Smith, <laughs> yes. not me. Responsible Dave Smith. I never rip up tulips. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should be. You should expect some offers to get rescinded from this. Mm. It just, I don't know. Probably will happen. There, there might be some legal protection depending on your your background and the place you live, but. Certainly, in some countries, it will be an option to say, actually, we don't want to hire this person because of some some background stuff. And they may not even tell you, right? They might just say... Yeah, yeah. They might just go dark. Yeah. Yeah. Might just ghost you. And sometimes they... Although, sometimes they do the offer first and then run background it's checks. contingent on passing a background check. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they won't even say it out loud. And then they'll just... At that point, it's going to be very clear what happened to you, right? Like, you'll you'll know. Yeah. So, it might happen. I hope it doesn't happen. Also, sometimes the check happens after you accept the offer. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. Interesting. That's true. I'm thinking about that. That's true. I have. That is how I think it usually works, actually, because it takes some time. Yeah. And and you might need to. So so one way, like it might be a numbers game. You might need you might need more offers to end at one accepted offer that will deal with the stuff in your background check. And you might also have to accept multiple offers and then reject some of them. Mm. And and that's tricky because they usually have a start date. And then if like, yeah, I don't know. There's there's some, it'll, it'll be more complicated. Yeah, that is more complicated because you got to commit to a date and then they're going to start the background check after you accept the offer. And then, oh man, that's that's tough. You can't, you also makes it harder to shop offers against each other too because... You know, ideally you'd get three offers and you don't have to answer any of them until you've gotten all three of them, you know, or some whatever number you you want, right? Yeah. So this is why I'm I'm wondering what the cost of revealing it at offer time is. That's a good point because if if they're going to say no to you because of something in your past, they're either going to say no to it now or they're going to say no to it after they discover it, which may happen because you ran a background check, or it may happen a year into the job, you know? Mm. So maybe maybe we yeah. should, maybe it, it would be best to, to disclose that earlier rather than finding out six months into your job that you that, that it was a deal breaker, you know? Yeah, because your point was it might not show up on the background check. You might be able to test that. I'm sure you can like run your own background check on That's yourself a good idea. and see what pops up. Yeah, you know, an easy way to do that would be to go to one of these landlord websites where you are like pretending, you could pretend to own a rental property and then run background checks for people. Just run it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of feels like we're we're getting tra- dangerously into legal territory here. And as we all know, we are we are space lawyers, not earth lawyers. 
Yes. So we will give valid space law advice. And I think my valid space law advice is if you feel like stuff will show up on the background check, I would bring it up when there's an offer extended to you. Because at that point, they, they want you. They've, yeah. they've committed some amount already. Right. If, if you do it in the interview stage, then that might just they might say they they might weigh your interview differently and say all right we're going to offer this other candidate instead or whatever so so there's some amount of they've they've invested a bit in you already yeah and if you have a really coherent clear story for why this happened and why it's not going to affect your your future performance then then that's the time to kind of prep them for it maybe so so like hey this is something i had in my past and and i've i've learned and grown a lot since then it's been x number of years since i've whatever and and here's the the systems i have set up to help me and i don't know i would would workshop that and practice it but tell them i want to let you know in case stuff comes up on the background check and and can you help me understand how you would react to that is is this a deal breaker for you or do you feel like we could still work together right because i don't think it is (laughs) i don't think it is either i mean it might depend a little on the on the thing yeah i Uh, guess you, uh, you you probably want to say you don't think it is. Yeah. Yeah. If it's like white collar crime from deleting someone's source code yes. <laughs> at your previous software developer company, then that'd be a bit of a problem. I embezzled millions of credits <laughs> and gems. <laughs> I used to work More for Candy Crush. Sales platform. Yeah. <laughs> and I have so many coins now. <laughs> there was that guy who worked at Microsoft who I think stole a bunch of like microsoft store gift cards figured out how to generate them oh man did you hear that story ever no yeah that that seems like it could be relevant to yeah that could be (laughs) relevant. yeah oh boy yeah i mean i i think one one gut feel based thing i'll say is i think in software you you might have a better time finding work that is okay with stuff coming up in the background check depending on what it is yeah because of the like fancy white collar privilege that gets associated with software development right also the the risk levels are lower you know i mean and i i say risk levels you're not gonna like steal petty cash from the company right right. you don't have right there's no petty cash to steal (laughs) let me let me restate the perception of risk I think will be lower among software development employers compared to other employers that, for example, send people into homes of pearl clutching people, you know, people who have sensitivities to that, you know, you're not going to be surrounded by the petty cash, like Jameson said, and so on. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I, and, and frankly, I have hired people with criminal past and I have just no problem with it for those people. It was, it it didn't concern me whatsoever. Maybe that's because they had a really good story, but anyway, yeah, I do believe this is a great industry for that because a lot of the reasons, whether fake or, or justified or not, that people put up for not hiring people with a criminal history are actually not that relevant in software development. We have tons of criminals. I mean, just look at the <laughs> look at all the billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> just look at look at Web three. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've been resisting men- making mention of FTX. <laughs> I, I'll make them. I'm sure there are good people that work in crypto, but or the the Theranos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that could be an option. Go work in crypto. Go, where work, your go work in crypto. Yeah, go work in finance, crypto. Yeah, 
any number of opportunities for you. Okay. Have we answered the question? <laughs> we have. We've insulted an industry. I, I'm so well. sorry. Uh, I know people who are not criminals who work in crypto, but also <laughs> most of the criminals that I am aware of in the technology industry seem to be working in crypto. So, <laughs> just saying. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what should people do if they want their own questions answered? Okay, go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question form. Thank you so much to everyone who asks us questions every week. We love your questions. Please keep them coming. You should see the way Jameson's face lights up when he opens up the webpage with all the questions on it. Oh, it's it's like Christmas every week. Maybe you can see it if you go to YouTube. We've got our shows posted up on there now if that's a way for you to listen. And you want to see our heads and that's listen right. to our voices. The most common reaction we get in the comments of the videos is, so that's what you look like. That is not at all what I yeah. thought you looked like. <laughs> yeah, and it's never, you're so much more beautiful. That's right. Than I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you later. Bye.